Hi guys. You know, the other day, or actually back on Sunday and then yesterday, um, I ended up watching a couple of um, videos that were very relatable in topic. The first video I, um, I watched on Sunday was Brawny Buck's live stream that he did about a year ago in September of last year, where he and other fellow bronies and Pegasisters talked about uh, something that was brought up on Equestria Daily, and you can still find it there. You just got to Google Equestria Daily and cut ideas or cut episodes or something like that. And basically, they were talking about all these um, episodes that were that fans were asking, I think it was Josh Haber or Jim Miller about, in a, in a Q&A at that time. And it made me really think about, you know, what potentially other ideas could have been, you know, put onto the cutting room floor. Now, the day after, I watched another video by Dr. Wolf, where again, he talked about um, another episode idea that was cut. Um, it was done by M.A. Larson, and it was going to be the first, I guess you could say, draft appearance in script, but the first appearance is scheduled to be the first appearance or acknowledgement of you know, Applejack and Apple Bloom and Big Mac's uh, mom. And this is before, obviously, I think this was a season or two before it was supposed to happen, uh, before we got the Perfect Pair episode in season seven, where we finally got to see their mom in flashback, but her name was Buttercup Pear Butter. But in an original story that, you know, M.A. tried to, you know, get um, finalized to become an episode, her name was going to be Honeycrisp. And it was a very interesting idea that they came up with. You know, basically, it kind of focused on how Big Mac became, you know, the size he's become. And, you know, Honeycrisp basically feeling ashamed about what she did. And that's because she doesn't want to endanger her family. She goes to live in hiding in the evergreen, in the everfree forest. And... You know, again, it does sound like it's an interesting idea, but Dr. Wolf pointed out that it sounded like it was a little too dark of an episode at the time uh, for, you know, for them to pull off, especially with the way it's described as sort of a King Midas-like story. Now, with that said, though, I decided to print off some other things that were put out on Equestria Daily. As a matter of fact, did, did I do this one twice? I, I think I did. Um, anyway... I wanted to read off a couple of things I printed off of Questia Daily. One of them, of course, is the cut ideas in general, My Little Pony Behind the Scenes from director Big Jim. Actually, what, yeah, it was Big Jim. It was Jim Miller. And then M.A. Larson did one about, I think, what was it, earlier this year or something, where he did a Q&A and he was talking about stuff. So I want to talk, I want to start off by reading M.A. Larson's. And... This one was, of course, on Equestria Daily, and I ended up getting printing two copies because there was a bit of a delay. I think that's all we have here. Yeah, that's all we have here. And um, this is basically uh, what M.A. Larson had to say in a Q&A. Uh, the title of the headline of the article is Equestria Daily MLP Stuff. M.A. Larson reveals all sorts of fun things cut from episode 100. So you have to wonder if maybe he did this interview around the airing of episode 200 to coincide with it. 
But this is what it says, and I quote, A panel over at MLP-MSP starred M.A. Larson fresh after the episode screening, answering all science... Okay, let me reread that. It says, and I quote, A panel over at MLP-MSP starred M.A. Larson fresh after the episode screening, answering all sorts of interesting things about what happened within the Big 100 celebration. Needless to say, this one had a lot of things, a lot of fun things planned. Okay, so this actually was an article that was done after the 100th episode. Continuing on, and I quote, Quite a few scenes were cut for the sake of hitting that 22-minute limit. Everything from extra Octavia scenes to silly derpy slapstick, maybe one of you animators out there can throw one of these together for us. Wouldn't that be amazing? So, here we go. We're going to go into the Q&A. So, this is the Q&A. And the first question that came up was, how was M.A. Larson assigned to write the episode? M.A.'s response? The episode was already being written, but a scheduling derp made him switch over to Slice of Life instead of Lost Treasures of Griffinstone. Okay, so originally he was supposed to do Lost Treasure of Griffinstone, and instead he got bumped over to a slice of life due to a scheduling mishap. The next question. How were background characters picked? Answer. Amy Key Rogers came up with the idea for the Cranky Wedding. Before that, it was just titled Tour of Ponyville without any structure with Twilight showing someone around and running into characters. Okay. I don't know what got cut off here. But anyway, the next question, let me make sure I see what's cut off. I don't know if it's cut off or something. It doesn't look like it. Huh. Let me make sure. Yeah, nothing. Okay, so the next question was, what allowed Derpy this time around? In other words, muffins. Answer, her name is Muffins, officially, even though Larson originally called her Derpy for the sake of labeling it, labeling in the script, Hasbro had him switch the name even if it was never actually said in the episode. So, yeah, basically it was M.A. Larson that named Derpy Derpy, but it was Hasbro that had him switch the name. Alright, the uh, next question. Was there ever a moment where they considered adding Applejack as a joke? Answer, no. And then let's see, did they get anything else after that? Okay, they do pin out some other stuff, some interesting stuff here. It says, in the first draft, Vinyl Scratch talked, but they told him she doesn't talk, so it was removed in phase two. So the original, so one of the original ideas was to have DJ Pone, Vinyl Scratch, uh, actually talk. We would hear her speak. Uh, the next thing, and these are tidbits, behind the scene tidbits. The next thing is, the original Vinyl Scratch Octavia scene involved Vinyl crashing at Octavia's house and destroying her sofa. So she goes to Quills and Sofas to buy a new one. They weren't originally roommates, but the Hub and Hasbro made them roommates. So basically, um, Octavia, in the original script, Octavia and DJ Pone, Vinyl Scratch, 
weren't even living together. It was Hasbro and the Hub, a.k.a. Discovery Family, that said they got to be roommates. Okay. Next one, next tidbit. Flash Sentry was originally in the script. He was following Cranky, asking why no one likes him. Basically a play on why no one likes the Equestria Gold version of him. Another uh, cutscene was a group of ponies coming in and a group of the recolor ponies running into them, followed by awkwardness. Basically playing up the fact that you have all these different vectors and, and such, you know, of the same pony design and same model and everything waltzing around town. You know, they were going to play up on that. Like, uh, for example, let's see. Like, for example, we have Lyra here, and they were going to basically have a character like Lyra run into her, basically same design and everything, but a different recoloring. That, that's basically how they were playing it up, originally. Again, these are, these are basically the original ideas they wanted to add in, but got cut or changed for time, or for reasons. Um, another tidbit, his, his original reason for not wanting to bowl was because he had trauma as a kid where he couldn't figure out the physics behind it, which led to his science-focused career. In other words, excuse me, in other words, you know how Dr. Quill in the episode was kind of nervous about bowling, they were going to play up on that. Uh, number one, or the next one, Sombra appears in front of Octavia and a Devil Went Down to Georgia song battle starts up. Obviously, that was cut maybe due to copyright, copyright and licensing reasons. And, of course, Sombra was dead at that time. And maybe they were going to have the ghost of him appear. I don't know. Okay, next up. These, again, these are behind-the-scenes tidbits. Next up. Outside of episode 100, there was originally a cut scene where after Twilight is coronated... Rainbow Dash and her fly around Equestria, eventually ending up in Dragonland, where they do a musical scene. So, okay, that that was something that was outside of 100, but I guess he wanted to add that in. Another tidbit from behind the scenes of episode 100. There was a scene where Derpy is saying, I don't know what to do, Doc. I don't know what to do. And the camera pans over to reveal Dr. Caballero revealing Derpy at the wrong table with the wrong doctor. Gags like this were throughout the entire original script. In other words, basically, she's trying to talk to Dr. Hooves, but she ends up talking to Caballero, you know, Daring Dew's uh, arch nemesis at that time. Uh, the next thing. After everyone is gone and in the town hall, the Bat Ponies and Royal Guards are outside doing silly impressions of Princess Luna and Celestia, Every day shall be a cake day. Okay. That, that's one tidbit. Um, another behind-the-scenes tidbit uh, was something that was cut out. At one point, Lyra tells Bonbon to stop using the ridiculous voice to make fun of her other voices. So in other words, you know how in episode 100, Lyra, not Lyra, but Sweetie Drops Bonbon reveals who what she is and everything, kind of playing into why her voice was always different in other episodes. Well, basically, they would have had Lyra call her out on that and say, stop using that stupid fake voice. Um, 
Okay, another tidbit. In the script, originally, Gummy had a French accent. Now, what they're talking about is Gummy when he monologues mentally in his mind towards the end. You get that little slow-mo as, you know, you see all the ponies and everything that are involved in the episode flying through the air. Originally, he was supposed to have a French accent and not a, um, and not an English one. All right, next up, we have, huh. Episode corny selves, but the camera points to the sunset where changing the army is flying in. In other words, I think they're playing up that the ending where the main six are outside, locked out of the hall, for the uh, that um, the uh, locked outside of the city hall where the wedding's taking place. That basically is uh, all being the corny selves. In the distance, you see a change of the army coming. Now, here's some interesting tidbits uh, to follow through. M.A. Larson originally didn't want to do the episode. The characters had no Pacific canon, so he wasn't sure what to do. Eventually, they just decided to go for it and make it a brony episode. This episode wouldn't exist without us and our background pony fandom. Continuing on, they say that M.A.'s outline list was 10 pages long with all the characters. Another tidbit, Hasbro slash The Hub Discovery Family was the original driver for this, M.A. Larson kept telling them it was a bad idea, but they kept pushing it, pushing it, and all an alternate main six episode. He eventually figured out it was fun and sent a note to Hasbro saying, add more pandering, it's not a normal episode. And then in conclusion, it says, Hasbro, was ter- uh, Hasbro told him to turn the bugbear into a panda style. And the last thing, the whole Lyra and Bonbon scene was a true lies reference. So. Okay, so there is a video on there. I'll have to find the link to that. But yeah, some interesting tidbits on 100. Basically showing that there was more to it um, had they maybe expanded it, expanded it to a longer length. And, you know, that's one thing a lot of people point out about episode 100 and 200 that because they're so monumental in their numbering of you know episodically, that it would have made more sense to expand it to maybe uh, not 22 minutes, but maybe 44 minutes. Okay, so the next one here, it, it's a long run, but this is a Q&A that Jim Miller did back uh, last year. It said that Jim Miller did a quick M-A-M over on Twitter the other day, revealing a bunch of neat little nuggets of information from his years working with Hasbro and bringing us ponies every week. This includes a few cut ideas and concepts that didn't quite make it into the final production line. Um, they say that they've extracted all the qu- extracted all the questions and response for easy viewing below. This is some really neat information buried in there. Now, I did also at one point ask him a question or two. I don't know if they included it, but we'll see. And again, this is something that Brawny Buck did in a live stream last year uh, with his fellow Bronies and Pegasisters, although the um, audio issues, because they weren't using an internet cable, kind of affected it. But here we go. And I quote. Uh, and I quote, first question. Was there any plans to do another Power Ponies episode? After the Avengers movie skyrocketed, I thought Hasbro would be more than welcome to do another one. Now, 
we don't know who asked that question, but here's Jim's response. He says, weirdly, no. They wanted the Power Ponies initially because they wanted to do them as a toy line. But then it took almost two years for that to happen. So in other words, uh, basically what he's saying is that, um, Jim Miller, what he's saying is that it's kind of odd that Hasbro wouldn't want to capitalize on the Avengers, seeing as though they, Hasbro, distribute the Marvel toy line, that you know they wouldn't want a chance to maybe do another Power Ponies episode to tie in with the Avengers, which is kind of crazy. Okay. All right, so it cut off some questions, but I'll try to provide some links down below so you can see them. Okay, so next question here. Where did the idea of pairing Starlight, and Trixie, uh, Starlight Glimmer, and Trixie come from? It just works, but I would have never thought about it before No Second Prances. And here's Jim Miller's answer to that. They said, We like the idea of two former baddies trying to be friends. We had no idea it would work as well as it did. I think a lot of credit has to go to at K Sheridan voice and Kathleen Barr's amazing chemistry together. So in other words, uh, what he's saying is that to them, they found it interesting and believed it would work to take two former uh, villains or antagonists, make them protagonists and make them good guys. Um, another question is Starlight and Trixie spinoff show when and Jim's answer to that is, I wish. But all of us who worked on the series have moved on to other projects. It would be near impossible to get everyone back to, again. And then he kind of responds to a follow-up to that saying, it's money, lots of money. It says, money, lots of money can solve anything. In other words, someone questioning him saying nearly impossible. And he says, hey, all it takes is a good amount of money and maybe it could happen. All right, next question. Was Okay, next question is, where are the rest of the Bat Ponies, and why did Luna's pet Osipum Tribbles never make it into the show? So if you don't know, uh, Luna has a pet opossum, 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 if you will, in the comics, but it was never in the show, and I think here's the answer. Answer is, from Jim Miller, Bat Ponies are in the cave. Uh, bat ponies are in their cave, making plenty of ganora, or ganora. And then he answers the other, the, the next part of that, saying, "We were not informed in what was going on in the comics. Hasbro ran that. So for the longest time, we didn't even know about uh, Tibble. Excuse me there. Then it became an issue about justifying a new design. Well, one wasn't specifically needed. So in other words, they didn't know about it because Hasbro didn't tell them until the, a certain time or something." Next up, um, question. next question is, was there an episode that you just felt didn't quite work out? And this is Jim Miller's response. Yes, I won't say which ones. I think that would be insulting to the writers and staff who worked on them. So in other words, he does agree that there are some episodes that they did that didn't work out, didn't you know live up to expectations, but out of respect for those that put a heart and effort into them, he's not going to say anything. Next question. Where are the rest of the zebras, Jim? Here's the answer to that. He pitched that they pitched the idea to they pitched that idea to Hasbro, but they weren't keen on exploring it. We always joked that they were in Jiafrica. Uh, in other words, Giraffe, Africa. I know, weird. 
Okay, well, there was another question, so I don't know what it was. So we're going to move on to this one. It says, next question. Out of all the characters of all the series you've worked on, which would be who would be in a rock band? And his answer, the Pie Sisters. Maude, Pinky, Mudbriar, and Limestone. Well, three, well, three of the Pie Sisters and Mudbriar, Maude's uh, boyfriend. They followed up by saying, would they name it the Rocking Sticks? And he says, probably. <laughs> I know. It's one of those Q&As, right? Okay, next one. Uh, when you first started working on MLP, did you ever imagine how much it would change your life? His answer, zero clue. When I started, the show hadn't even begun airing yet. So basically, he started when they were still, you know, bringing it to life behind the scenes and everything. So he had no clue it was going to take off the way it did. Uh, next question. Is it true that you were pushing for Flash to its limits? Oh, okay, no. Okay, let me reread that. The next question is, is it true that you were pushing Flash to its limits? You know, the Flash animation. Answer from Jim Miller. Absolutely. Just look at the show. Not many other Flash shows look like that. This question. Now, this was kind of like weird. Uh, but the question is, have you ever wanted to off, if you know what I mean, Celestia and Luna? Off in this, you know, you know what I mean. And he says, no, it's not that kind of show where offing a character is ever really on the table. So we never entertain those thoughts. Although turning them to stone, that's another thing. <laughs> Next question. What's your favorite episode out of the series of... MLPFIM. And he says, it's hard to pick just one. There's a lot I love for different reasons, but I'm pretty proud of episode 713, The Perfect Pair. And I think a majority of the fan base would agree with Haber, I mean, not Haber, but Miller on that one. Next question. What was it like having such famous guest stars like Riyad Al Yankovic, Felicia Day, Malik? Maurice LaMarche, etc. In other words, those people voicing characters. He says, a true honor and so special. Because, you know, you had Felicia Day in there. You had uh, Maurice, Mar Maurice LaMarche. Uh, you had Will Dow. You had William Shatner. So, yeah, you know, there you go. Uh, next question. Did you ever have any ideas or pitches for a Silver Spoon focused episode? His answer, yep. An executive at Hasbro told us that told us after we pitched blah. Okay, here's his answer. Let me reread that. He said, Yep. An executive at Hasbro told us after we pitched some stuff for SS and DT that they felt the story was over. In other words, you know, he had plans to do a silver spoon uh, a silver spoon focused episode because, you know, Diamond Tayara, you know, got what she did in uh, Crusaders of the Lost Mark, I think that's what it was. That's the one I was trying to talk about earlier. And um, basically, I think there were plans to do something after that with Silver Spoon um, as well. But because, you know, Hasbro, basi Hasbro basically said, look, you did the story arc, it's over, we're done. Okay, so the next question after that is, which MLP episode was the hardest to make, not counting any episodes that haven't aired yet? His answer, 
Musicals are super hard to do, and ones with tons of characters in scenes. So in other words, when you had Winter Wrap-Up, uh, you had the Heartwarming Tale, he's basically stating that episodes like that, and I think even Big Best Gift Ever that came out before this Q&A, are some of the hardest that they could do. Okay, next question. If you put Sunset Shimmer from A Quest of Your Girls onto Friendship is Magic, which season and episode would you put her in? And his answer is this. We always felt that Sunset should stay on EQG, Equestria Girls. That's where she originated, and they did her best. Uh, she was also the thing that set EQG apart from MLP. Mad respect to um, Ish H3 Art and Is It Lunch Yet Dash 1 and the EQG crew. They don't get enough love and respect. So in other words, as much as we would love to have seen Sunset in pony form in Friendship is Magic, except for the cameo uh, in the montage in the Magical Friendship Growth song, uh, basically the plan was to keep her an EQG exclusive. The only time we saw her in pony form was when they did the crossover parts. Uh, next question. Was there anything pitched for episodes that you or anyone made an executive decision to include or exclude it? His answer, sure, but the ultimate decision on things was always Hasbro, specifically for major things. For example, we could not have nixed uh, Twilight Sparkle getting wings even if we wanted to. So yeah, Hasbro basically wanting Twilight uh, to gain wings was their idea and nobody else's. And even if they said, no, that's not a good idea, you know, Hasbro's like, oh, too bad, you're going to do it. Uh, next question. Are alicorns really more powerful than the average... Okay, this question is, are alicorns really more powerful oh, that the average, you know, sometimes... Okay, let me reread that. The, the kind of word this word, worded this question word. It says, are alicorns really more powerful oh, that the average question, sometimes it seems that a simple unicorn do the job as well? Or could do the job as well. His answer, we never, we really never had the opportunity to figure that out, uh, definitely. So, yeah. Basically, I think they were asking that if alicorns are more powerful than the average pony, then why does a super, then why does it seem that a super unicorn, simple unicorn, like let's say Starlight, could do better? Or could do just as well? Whoa, so I think we're getting towards the end here, are we? Yeah, we're getting towards it. Hold on, guys. <laughs> All right, so next question. If Hasbro had asked you guys to do some kind of crossover with previous generations for an anniversary special, which characters would you have used? His answer, it really would have depended on what we were crossing over with and the story being told. All right, so in other words, if they were crossing over with G1... You know, they would need some kind of idea of, like, what characters out of G1 would they be uh, using. So that that's the thing that gets them right there. All right, next question. Uh, was there any particular uh, escorty in the show that you feel may have slipped past the fans? 
In other words, like subtle references and stuff. Um, he answers all sorts of things. Subtle references and influence that even I've forgotten now. All right. Okay, so they asked about his time on Ed, 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 Eddie. Um, okay. Okay, here's one. Here's one. Here's a question right here. Could get this done quickly. He said, if season would have had 27 episodes and you had a chance to write that one additional, what would it be about? His answer, we'd have to look at the whole season and see if we felt that one of the characters was underrepresented. Then try to come up with a story to fill that void. Alright, next up. What is the most exciting part you experienced doing as a director, you know, for MLP? And he puts in caps, he got to, vo he got to voice direct William Shatner. What the blank is my life? <laughs> Alright, uh, next question. What is the episode of season 9 that most pleased you? His answer, episode 907, She's All Yak, 908, Best Frenemies, 916, A Trivial Pursuit, 24 to 26, the finale. Those are the episodes that pleased him of season 9. Alright, number... Uh, next question. What happened to Apple Pony's parents? His answer? We'll never know. We felt it was important to not nail it down. That way a viewer to imprint uh, their own personal feelings on whatever happened to them. Or that way a viewer to imprint or can imprint their own personal feelings on whatever happened to them. So in other words, even though they could have answered the question of, okay, this is what happened to AJ's parents, they decided not to go down that route and decided, hey, it's up to you, us, the viewers, to do that. Next question. What would... Okay, next question. Would you want to create your own... Okay, now forget that one. Okay. Oh, here's one. Can you at least tell us if after the end of the last season we'll see something else related to Friendship is Magic? His answer, that's all up to Hasbro, but if they do more, it won't be with, D it won't be with the DHX crew. So in other words, like with Rainbow Road Trip, it would be through something like Boulder Media if they did something. Next question after that, are you, are you happy with the overall arc of the show? Anything you do differently uh, with, you know, within hindsight? His answer, there's always things you wish you could do differently, but overall I'm proud of the work we did and the stories we told, and that we got to end it on our terms. Okay, we've got a few more. Okay, next question. Got a favorite Starlight episode? His answer, whenever her and Trixie are together, it's awesome to him. Next question. Kafuflu is such an amazing character. What was her genesis as a character? In other words, whose idea was it? And they say, and his answer is, that whole special was done through Boulder. The DHX team had zero involvement, so I'm afraid I can't speak to her origins. So if they wanted to talk to someone, they'd have to talk to Boulder Media. Now they ask him what was his favorite MLP season. He says it's hard to choose, but looking at them as whole seasons, he would say 2, 4, 5, 7, and 9. Those would be his favorites. Okay. 
Okay, this question is, what is an important animation job that people don't think about but quietly made MLP awesome? His answer, layouts. Alright, next question. Before Best Gift Ever, was there any talks of a Nightmare Night special alongside? Jim Miller's answer? No, I think the Christmas-based ones do much better for Hasbro. There's always a huge block of Christmas programming to fill every year. Um, okay, so let's see. Next question. Say you somehow had managed to get Carte Blanche or Carte Blanche and was allowed to cross MLP over with another show or franchise, what would you do? His answer? Uh, I'm not per um, personally... Okay, his answer to that. Um, personally... Okay. His answer is, I personally am not a fan of inter-property crossovers. They always feel forced, and the way the two shows get together feels clunky and silly to, to me. So in other words, um, I don't know what this carte blanche is or whatever, but you know, he basically is not a fan of crossovers. Um, next question, who is Best Pony? His answer... When they asked him who is Best Pony, his answer, ta-da, Applejack, AJ. Have to agree with him on that because she, along with Rarity and Luna and all of them, are personal favorites of mine. Uh, they asked what was your favorite part of working on Friendship is Magic. He says, working with the amazing cast and crew. Next question, with how many episodes there were and how pretty much every one had some underlining lesson, did the writers have ideas for what they wanted to see in the show and write a lesson around or vice versa or maybe a bit of both? His, his answer, it's a real mix. Sometimes the moral informed the story and sometimes it was the other way around. Let's see. Now, they asked about, uh, was there a sibling vibe between Spike and Smolder plan from the start, or did it just happen? I'm pretty sure it was just something that happened. All right. Uh, the final question's here. Do we know why or how Cadence became an alicorn, or was she just a unicorn of Pegasus beforehand? His answer, we don't, and it was never discussed, as far as I'm aware, or he's aware. And then the final one here, and again, I'll provide a link down below if I can get them. Where did you guys at DHX get your ideas from when making mythical creatures for MLP? So I'm not good at making a good sentence. <laughs> His answer, to close this out, we referenced a lot of mythology and mythology from different cultures too. Lauren set it up well in the beginning, so we did our best to honor that. So... Yeah, that's basically um, a lot of the questions and stuff that were put into, um, you know, that were asked of M.A. Larson uh, after 100, and then of course, um, after the season was basically complete before it finished, Q&As that were given to, um, um, to Jim Miller. 
Very interesting information. I mean, obviously, they had a lot of other stuff planned out that they wanted to do. Uh, unfortunately, they never got a chance to do it. But thankfully, now, now you have things like... Let me see if I can find it. Do, 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 do. Here it is. I think... Is that it? No. Yeah. Thankfully, now you have things like the comic, you know, filling in that void. Uh, like the zebras and all that, so... Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, very interesting tidbits. Um, um, can't wait to find, you know, can't wait to see maybe if we get more information down the line or future Q&As because I'm sure Jim Miller and and Josh Haber and Nicole Dubuque and Megan McCarthy are probably going to get some Q&As thrown their way uh, in the future. Um, thanks to the Pony Life coming up, officially debuting this Saturday on Discovery Family. So, can't wait to see what we get out of that if they do Q&As then to kind of celebrate its official debut on DF, if you will. Uh, but let me know what you guys think down below. Comment if you like. I'd love to hear what each and every one of you guys have to say about this. And I am out. Peace.